Welcome to Choosing Leadership, a podcast for high performers with big dreams and for leaders who know that they are more powerful than the level that they are currently playing. I am Sumit Gupta, your host and the founder CEO of the Deploy Yourself School of Leadership. I am here to help the best leaders get better and to help organizations massively improve their output and impact and at the same time eradicating workplace stress. Yes completely eradicating not just reducing completely eradicating i believe in creating a future and a work culture where people wait for mondays not fridays and get to do their most meaningful work the aim of this podcast is not to provide you more content but instead shift the context under which you operate this podcast is titled choosing leadership because that is what leadership is a choice In each episode I will celebrate leaders who have made such choices which are not always easy and comfortable but which has helped them get to where they are today. And let us celebrate the leader in us for choosing to move over our fears, for choosing to be motivated by something bigger than ourselves and for choosing to deal with every challenge that comes on the way. Let us celebrate you right now for stepping into the unknown and taking courageous action as those were the moments when you chose leadership at the end i will share how you can be our next guest on this podcast and with that let's get started abhishek and nishka are the coo and cmo of dressma respectively they together with the ceo siddharth are co-founders of dressma as well as their previous startup In the interview Abhishek and Nishka share their journey from recognizing a gap in the market to building a customer focused solution they emphasize the importance of continuous interaction with customers even at the technology level to ensure the product aligns with their needs they also discuss the challenges faced during the covid-19 pandemic and their ability to stay true to their vision and to maintain a common goal drives their resilience in the face of adversity hi abhishek and nishka welcome to the choosing leadership podcast so i want to welcome both of you the ceo and cmo of dressma to this uh, platform and what we are trying to do today is to listen to your story of how you came to be where you are today and what are your dreams about the future so why, why don't you start by taking us back maybe what got you into entrepreneurship or what got you into the current company that you founded i think each of our journeys have been a little different and abhishek and mine conjoined in 2015 i think yeah. prior to that i think i worked in the communication space but i learned to understand that i was a born entrepreneur i started my entrepreneurial journey i think when i was about 7 years old when i i set up a library in our, in my home and would lend books to friends i was an avid reader so i had a huge collection and i took advantage of the generosity my parents would bestow by buying books by monetizing that and running a library there was my first little venture and from that triggered many small projects that sort of led me to have this bug inside of me of wanting to do something mm-hmm. of at some stage yeah you tell me a bit more you said you're a born entrepreneur what allowed you to like do all of that at that young age right was it something in the family in the culture what was unique about ironically nothing actually it was absolutely opposed to the background i come from i come from mm-hmm. a, a bureaucrats in india my 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 father is a civil servant and 
in my entire family, the notion of being the word entrepreneur is more is used now and sounds very glamorous. But earlier, it was always said said to be that of a business owner or a businessman or a businesswoman. And in in the kind of background I come from, it was sort of frowned upon. It was always look the ideal thing for you to do was to work for a good company or to work for the government. That was the background I came from. But I grew up in an international environment. I grew up outside of India. My dad was with the foreign service, so got an opportunity to really travel the world and get exposed to a lot of different cultures. And one of the things I realized from a very young age, as early as I said, seven years of age, is that children abroad become financially independent very. So a lot of my friends would be doing little jobs, even just distributing newspapers or doing sort of small projects that earned them money. And that sort of was something mm. that I felt very strongly about wanting to do as well from a very young age. And that's what Perth got me interested in the in my project. I think it was that. It was uh, something, I'm the second entrepreneur in my family. I think there was a cousin of mine that was inspirational to me. He, after having a, a sound career in consulting, moved into starting mm-hmm. his own startup, became the first in my family. And I'm now second and only woman in the family that actually has their own business. So it was never from the family, it was from my external environment, but there's been a lot of support, I would say, from the family that led to it. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. And I think that perspective of uh, traveling and living uh, in different places and seeing or catching something up from that culture is, is so relevant. It's uh, something which we so miss. And, and also having a role model in the family, I think what could be better than that? Otherwise, this path can become quite scary as well. Yeah. So Abhishek, what's your story? Sumit, I'm an engineer by training. And the reason for that is that since childhood, I always loved problem solving. Right? And engineering is one of the trades that train you to solve problems using theories from all around. So since childhood, I was brought up from a very small town in north of Bihar, right at Indo-Nepal border. And the region used to have a lot of problems, lack of infrastructure, lack of electricity and everything. So since childhood, there was always an approach to solve the problems. For example, if there is no electricity, how do you bring in electricity or lights to the house? Or uh, there is no infrastructure. How do you build a team and create a small projects like making a pathway during flood season? That was a flood-prone area. Due to that love for problem solving, I chose engineering. And before starting RISMA, we were on the hunt of what is a big problem to solve because obviously we are going to give say five or ten years of our life to to something, right? We found this vertical, not just a local problem or a national problem, it was a global problem for the sellers and brands and even marketplaces and large enterprises worldwide. Now, so that's how we arrived at this idea of starting Dresma and solving the problem of creation of mm-hmm. visual content, which is almost manual worldwide. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. I'm quite curious, right? Uh, North of Bihar, engineering, entrepreneurship, where do the dots connect? So, like Sumit, I said that one thread that connects everything is problem solving. From there, I studied my engineering in south of India. I got an exposure of a very set of people even in India. So, from North India to South India and, and understanding culture, understanding what regions face what kind of problem and then studying you know abroad in the US at Cornell there again the emphasis was how to design systems that solves large scale problems right and that trade motivated 
to start a, to do a startup where you get so at a startup you get some freedom to work on an idea on your own with a team of similarly passionate founding founding founders and and the founding team mm. which is next to founders and were same set of people wanted to solve that problem thank you thank you for adding that so if i see both of you have quite uh, atypical backgrounds right it's, uh, it's something different around there do you think that it gives you an advantage as an entrepreneur what you think so i think the uh, entrepreneurship is really all about the ability to take risk calculated risk of course with uh, maximum impact that's what you're trying to do right. and when you uh, are exposed to different things in life you come across uh, from a very like i for example personally from a very early age in life um, uh, was forced to uh, adapt to new situations you know i've studied in school environments in six different languages i've uh, lived with and worked with people from all kinds of uh, backgrounds and all kinds of communities and all kinds of countries in the world uh, this all this constantly keeps you having to learn having to adapt having to uh, innovate uh, mold yourself to an environment um, these are essentially basic life skills but there are these are exactly what skills you require even when you start your own uh, company when you become an entrepreneur when you, so i think it helps i don't think it's uh, essential to be a typical i think the typical stories that you hear of success of people going to engineering school at iit and then getting going getting a good mba degree and then maybe doing a few years of a great consulting or a finance background and then getting good funding also um, makes for a good story mm. i would not say that is not a trajectory to take and maybe sometimes that poses fewer challenges than than some of us were a little more typical in my case being a woman not having those check marks uh, on the resume um there is equally challenging but i think being a little bit out of the box being having done things differently prepares you gives you some grounding i see for when you are hit with the challenges of your own show and i will just talk you know about about my nishka coming with that background you know there's a huge gap that a typical engineer lacks being introvert being not able to understand in the thinking of the career, how diversity is important, how role of women is important at workplaces, right? And these things are very important to build a culture. And without a culture, you can't build a company. Yeah. Thank you for adding that. Can you share a bit more about uh, Bresma? What is it that you're trying to do? And then we'll come back to culture and leadership in a minute. So, I mean, have you shopped online? I have. Wonderful. And, and, Have you seen product photos out there? I have seen. Yeah. Would you buy any product if they don't have product photos? No, I wouldn't. Wonderful. So we work in that space. Ah, uh, so the journey of those products is at least a week or two mm-hmm. worldwide. No, well, people either call freelance photographers or they go to studios, or if there is a large enterprise, they set up their own studio. Mm. it involves logistics challenges scheduling challenges and once the photos are shot they're sent for post production where photos are enhanced backgrounds are removed and all those systems happen right and this cycle we wanted to break using our product mm. so we built an ai engine and on top of that ai engine we have built a do machine mobile app right which sellers and enterprises and brands can use to shoot the products that they have 
anywhere they want or anytime, right? And then the moment products are short, they come to our cloud, processed by the AI, and delivered to the customer. Hmm. So we brought this one week to two weeks of, of cycle to just say a few seconds. So, yeah. so this is that we are focused on. This is core our core of our app. Second thing we are focusing on, even the marketing content creation process is almost manual, right? Mm. On to design a, uh, a banner, it takes a half a day, right? So uh, leveraging AI and machine learning, we're trying to automate that process also. Mm. They are empowering tools instead of replacing tools. Right, so you may have a lot of creative ideas, but we may, you may not have, say, well, access to tools or knowledge of tools. Hmm. So we, that process, we are removing that process and uh, enabling creators to start building content on the planet. Yeah, thank you for adding that. And can you share how did you came up with this idea? Is it more from uh, technology or is it more from understanding the customer? What were the roots of uh, like you coming up and starting a company out of it? So I think one of the things I would say is that Dresma has been, I think, aspires always to be a customer-focused co company. So the problem that we're solving is uh, a problem that we see our customers facing. And historically, uh, the path that we come with is uh, it, it addressed exactly that uh, customer base. You know, we mm. wish I can prior to Dresma who working at a company that had a similar customer base. We uh, e-com brands, large marketplaces, big retailers who essentially we would support for their catalog, for their entire content creation piece. The entire process, as Abhishek mentioned, is very manual in nature even today. And we were a part of that entire process. We was like the back end, we would run their photo studios, we would run the large post-production setups to be able to clean up the images that were required to go online. And that's where we identified the problem in our interaction with the large retailers, as well as the small sellers that we would get through the marketplaces. So we interacted with a lot of small sellers at marketplaces like Amazon and Snapdeal and Flipkart, who would have small skew counts. They would have two or three or four products and the e-com was booming. They all spent that the right place for them to be was online. And they might have earlier be coming from a background where they would have had a retail outlet at a place like Chandni Chowk or Lajpat were now aspiring to be also selling to all of India. Mm. And they faced the challenges. As Abhishek mentioned, it was a seven-day, two-week cycle. And that the cost involved was not realistic. It was not financially viable for somebody. Like, I remember we had an auntie. Yeah. We had an auntie who came all the way. So in the, in the previous office, we were based out of in Gurgaon, out of an area called Sona Road, which is um, not easy to access for people in Delhi in general. And this was a lady coming from north of Delhi. So they would have easily done a commute of about 70 kilometers. Um, one way to get to us um, and the reason she came to us is because she was referred to us by the marketplace and said okay here's a reliable studio that you can go to to get your photo shoot and when she came in after a 70 kilometer run which is about two and a half hours on the road to get to our, our studio she had about four or five items to be shot that was it it's just the pain that she had to take of bringing those products to us and then having to wait a few days dropping those off then waiting a few days we would Typically take something like two to three days to shoot those images, clean up, uh, shoot the products, clean up the images. Mm. She would then come back and pick up her products. You know, when we sat to chat with her, we realized that we, know, we were asking her, that, what motivates you to do yeah. this? And her take on her eyes that I want to be online. The world is online. And this mm. is a 60-year-old woman, 60, 62-year-old woman back then who 
dreamt of being on a marketplace. And most people like her and many like her that we started interacting. Small ones like her who had small skew counts and even very large retailers who faced similar problems. They essentially became the reason why we started thinking of product. Really. Mm. Our journey has been very customer focused. If I could say. So that's what prompted us, the customer essentially. And even today, the products we're building out, often you'll see, especially on the technology side, you think you're building to solve the problem, but you actually become so enveloped by the product that you're building. That becomes all-encompassing. What is product and what are its features, whether it really does anything for its end user, yeah. sometimes get lost. For us, from day one, it's always been about the end user. Who is my customer mm. and what yeah. value is she going to see uh, yeah. out of this product? Yeah. At every stage, uh, even we launched Do My Shoot you know, 2.0 or the new version of it just on the 1st of September. Again, it's backed by a lot of data that has come from our own existing customers. Mm. It's not something that's sitting in, on a drawing board trying yes. to say, okay, these are the new things we need to add uh, yeah. to the so, product. Yeah. So I'm noticing something very interesting, right? So one is that you were in the right place to actually notice that. Uh, but I think more important is that you notice that. Because many times, like the challenges are not like from within the company or within the industry, but somebody from outside who can see, right? So it's one thing, it's very easy to get so busy or get so focused on the details that you miss out to take a step back and to see, okay, are we missing a bigger picture here? And I think this is as true for a pivot or a new company as it is true for culture, right? What you were talking about earlier. It's so easy to get focused on the execution that you forget about the big picture. So you focus on the product, but you don't focus on the company. So can you share what allowed you even back then to take that step back and to notice this, even though you were still co-founders, you were still like busy in the execution as well. And then how do you do that now for culture? What allows you to actually take that step back and like zoom in and out when you need to? I think it's, I would have to interject Abhishek here and say, I think it's, I think it's very evident how it allowed us is. Because I think all three of us are, one common thing, we come from very different backgrounds. We have different takes on even how we want to lead Dresma forward. But one thing that is common to all three of us is that when we, for us, anything we do has to have large impact. So we want scale or maximum outreach out of whatever we are touching. And I think that is what initially led us to something like the solution we have built out because we, we saw the problem. Existing in our own business, the previous one that we were running, where it was getting difficult, not just for us to grow, but even for our customers to grow. They were facing challenges. And as a result, we were facing challenges. There were only so many customers we could handle. Abhishek and I were very clear that we needed to find uh, a solution to handle it that would allow for scale, for us to scale out. And if I correlate that to uh, the way we run Resma today and the culture we want to develop within the organization, again, is related to the fact that we see ourselves here for the long term. You build a culture only when you are very sure of mm. the problem you're solving, the direction you're taking, and you invest in the people or in the culture of an organization because you see that organization as something that will exist for the long term. Right? If you're in it for a for short term, your vision will not allow you to take that step back and look in and see, okay, what pieces need my attention or need our attention. At least that's my sense of it. For us, yeah. growth, scale, and something long-term was very important. Mm -hmm. It has always been very important. Yeah, this is super important here, right? So I, I talk to a lot of founders, a lot of entrepreneurs who are so busy that they don't have the time to think about the big picture, right? 
So can you share, first of all, among the three founders, what do you do? Do you block out dedicated time to think about the, the long term, the larger impact? So what is it that you do tactically? But then you also have a leadership team, right? So as you are growing, you have a second level of uh, leaders getting ready. How do you take this forward? How do you help them have the same practice or the same habit of not just thinking about their division, but actually thinking about the long term, right? The decisions that I am making now, how will this pan out in a year, in, in a couple of years? So tactically as well, right? How are you creating space for that? We did interesting experiments in the Bay. Since we had some experience in this space, we had a strong feeling that it will grow and it can grow. But on founders think about that. We started doing one thing, that is, we had access to Indian market. We had very small sellers and brands. We started winning customers of large sizes now and in different geography. So we won customers in Europe, we won customers in America. Now, we had the vision, we had a very strong feeling like all entrepreneurs have that this can grow really big, right? But for the big vision, it required validation. And validation is becomes great. So when we had the idea, you heard about Lada Auntie from Chandi Chow. We started from there and then uh, we started winning customers in different geographies and different sizes. So we won small customers, say, in Africa, starting from Australia to the US and even South America. And then we started winning on our size customers who are multi-billion dollar retail company in very developed market. So in all the cases, the data points that we had, that they were paying customers who want this. Paying customers are big to any idea or any business. If someone is not paying, it means that probably your value validation to their processes is not tangible, right? So from there, we got that. This is the vision that we should go for. Then we talk to the customer. It's easy to think among the ourselves whether this can be big or not. But we talk mm. to the customers. And again, customers of all sizes and all general. Because we wanted it to be paid for the globe. Mm. And we wanted to build a solution that empowers a very small artisan in a, in a village to a multi-billion dollar retail house in, in, in a developed economy. E-commerce is very interesting. So if you are a small business, you have got, for example, just hundred households to touch with your local store. The moment you start selling online, you've got the entire nation as your customer. We started doing pilots and the moment we started getting success there, we felt that the vision is validated now. Mm. That, and we don't change the vision every day. We change the processes, we change the product designs probably or UI or some features, but the vision remains intact. It just evolves into and bigger picture as their validations go. And I just to add to that, what I would say is that also the way we answer what you were asking about how we keep ourselves in line with the vision. One of the things that the three of us do very often is spend a lot of time with our customers. So each of us have areas of geography that we focus on, markets that we are working or understanding better. So we do interact very closely with our customers constantly. I think, like Abhishek said, said, there's no better validation than your own customer to tell you about what your next test should mm -hmm. be that you're on the right track as far as your vision goes. So that's definitely one way. And in terms of the team and building that second level, and I think really, at least at, at the stage at which we are, early stage startups, uh, the foundation is going to be set by that first level of team, leadership team that you're building out. And for us too, we've, what we've done with our teams that we are building out currently are given them uh, 
responsibility of customer ownership, whether it, irrespective of which department you belong to, they are very closely aligned to our customers. So our technology teams, and typically you don't see, in fact, in our organization, you'll see even very young uh, technology members interacting with customers. It's typically not a tradition in India too much. Or people, of course, on sales are interacting, but equally so are people on marketing and equally so are people on product as are people on design. So your role or your responsibilities within the organization might be very different, but all of us are very customer-centric. And I think that helps to ensure that we're on the right uh, path together. The vision mm -hmm. for our internal teams becomes very easy to follow through on. All of us did customer support. Yeah. And we have, all of us have done customer support. And we have our senior manager engineering doing customer support. We've got his interns doing customer support at every level, people are interacting with the customers or learning from the customer. And I think if you build an organization or a culture of that type where customer, your customer, not yeah. really, everybody will say we are customer focused, right? But this is when you're interacting with the customers, it really helps you to validate whether what you're building is really solving their problems. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Thank you for sharing that. I think, as you said, almost everybody says they are customer focused, what you're describing is very rare. And I think that builds uh, that connection, that builds uh, empathy and then allows people even in different uh, like functions to do their jobs better. One thing also works like, uh, how do you imagine the world 10 years down the line? Not too far. How do you still imagine that you would be buying products using those 2D photos? Right? Won't that be archive or too old fashioned? Right? So if you imagine the world 10 years down the line, you start getting things that you can build that can be used by US 10 years down the line, right? And that's how you start thinking of building some cutting-edge technology that can bring uh, this core and, and accepted by, by users around. So that also helps, that helps building the roadmap for long term, mm -hmm. right? And imagining technologies that can be developed something unreal yeah. doable is that not they are in bits and pieces and not in a bar and he hasn't done yet right? so yes. that's also an idea of how the larger picture should yeah and uh, as you said so you are in the path of growth and scaling this to the next level what do you see are the biggest uh, challenges or pain points that you are facing either out there like in the ecosystem in the industry or internally within your organization also as you scale and grow your Organization also. So one very interesting thing, and that people read in text, but probably don't absorb as much until they are into that firefighting board, is the product market fit. And trust me, if anyone says that they achieve product market fit in three months, the person is lying. It's hell of a job. And I'll give you one simple example. We had a registered function where you Put your email ID, create your password, and, and become a user. Now, this is, now no one remembers passwords. And we had people coming, registering, and not using the app. And we were, like, surprised at what's happening, why the app isn't being used. And then we realized that people are not able to remember passwords. And they can't go for that whole journey of forgetting passwords, right? Because people use phones these days to access internet. And on phones, you may not have your inbox that you do forward password and go there and log in and all. So that was one realization. So these very small things, uh, a little longer time for that product market. A stage where you are not supposed to give a demo. There is a product, people know what that 
in what it does and they are using it. Yeah. And looking forward, what challenges do you see in the near term? So I think for us, we are a technology-based company and always the biggest challenge there is for all the threats, there is the evolution of technology. Just as recent as the last three, four months, we've seen so much happening in the generative AI space and the our approach to how we were going to build out the, we, what we launched on the 1st of September, which was an entire design studio where users could come in and create and make creative content on the fly. Entire approach pivoted within a couple of weeks once we had generative AI kind of flood the market, right? I think the first and foremost thing is for us uh, as a company to have our side view mirrors very clean so that we're able to see what's happening around us in the environment. It's a very competitive market. Technology is always going to be a threat. But as Abhishek mentioned, if you are building a, a product that is very carefully tuned for a specific market, right? then you mitigate risk to some extent. You, As long as you can have foresight about how your user is going to change or evolve, that's how you have to keep yourself risk insured, but mm-hmm. there's never, or there's always chances that you still might fall into that bracket. So I think for us, it's technology primarily. That would be something that can come overnight and change the story for many like her. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, beside that, internally, if you were to ask me from, from an organizational perspective, I handle HR as well. So it does fall under my purview of, of how you manage people when you're growing. And I would say that really internal threat is when you become very overconfident about your growth. So I think what ends up happening, especially with funded organizations, is the successive high growth points that come on an organization's journeys. And it really is very important at those points, especially for founders and then the founding team, to take every success with as much of a pinch of salt as they would their failures. Because otherwise, some large accounts and you're swimming in the air and then you overnight, you've, in some ways, you've left a lot of people in the deep end, a lot of people that you've hired, people who've shown trust in you. So I think the threat is really at early stages for people like we are. Our organization is really at founder and foundation team level. And we've been very fortunate that at, at, at Resma have seen very little attrition at that level. So we have a very solid mm-hmm. team that has been with us for the last three years, which is very rare in a product company, uh, especially in, in a booming market like India, where you every few days you've got a new startup with lots of money to throw in the market to be able to get good talent. So I think building that trust and that foundation at the very start mm-hmm. is very important, I think. Otherwise, taking the vision forward will become very difficult. Yeah. And yeah. So, interestingly, we and a lot of others had a very interesting journey. Uh, we started in the later part of 2019 and then uh, COVID welcomed us. So we started, we didn't have investment until then. We didn't have any basic funding until then. Whatever we had money in our pockets, you know, and then we went with that, right? And we never imagined something like COVID will hit us. Those were challenging times. And, and during those times, whenever a company goes into trouble, there is a common practice of reducing the headcount. And COVID was a time, even that wasn't an option because there were no jobs in the market, right? So those were difficult times that we did fire people. And still, we managed to keep the business going on, especially when we were super and then suddenly in the summer, I learned that some winter season is going on in the VC space. Damn mm-hmm. it. In summer, you have some winter, right? So we, we just prepared ourselves that we safeguard ourselves from mm-hmm. the 
external factors and that has made us uh, resilient. Yeah. Yeah. Can you speak a bit more about that? Because uh, changes, pressure, surprises are never, uh, like they never end in the startup space. Uh, even in leadership or entrepreneurship, you are always faced with one surprise after another. How do you manage that uh, pressure, right? How do you keep yourself going, not just able to shift fast, but also to keep yourself uh, balanced in that, right? Because you can still move fast, but it can take you off uh, from an emotional point of view, right? So how do you create that calm and balanced state for yourself to be able to take those courageous decisions? And many times these decisions are courageous ones. I'll just say that I'm a mother of almost 18 year old and I have a 13 year old also at home. And I think when you've done that job, then none of these jobs seem that tough when you are the constant pivoting and challenges that you face when you run this almost seem like nothing when you go back home and have to deal with kind of troubles you can have with teenagers. But that aside, so that does, I would say personally, at least for me, that helps me to a large extent. I think the skills that I apply at home, raising my teenagers, I find are very transferable skills to what I need to apply to when we're building out to a large extent. It's it's keeping your calm, yes, is, is important. But I think just being true to what you are, what is, mm. so I talk always, I come back to always what is our culture. And I think what draws Abhishek Siddharth and me, like I said, that we, we all three might come from very varied backgrounds, but we've got this one common vision we are extremely passionate about and believe extremely because in what we're building out, because we see enough validation coming from the people that matter to us, which are our customers. And I think if you stay true to that, there will be uh, all kinds of roadblocks and we've seen many, we will continue to see many more. I think as the stakes get bigger and bigger, there will be bigger challenges that will come our way. And I'm sure there will be days where we will feel like what is happening and why are we doing this? But I think every time the very next day we will get up and say, you know what, it's fine. We make this happen. Uh, I think for us, it's really that end goal is in our heads. Uh, is so common to all three of us. And I think very often you see, and it's challenging. I'm speaking as an early stage startup and we have a long way to go. Uh, I know, uh, but uh, at the very beginning, the, it's, I always draw parallel to the household. I say, if your home is clean, it doesn't matter what comes to, uh, to destroy things, how to get your home back in order again. So I'm that kind of a homemaker and I'm a similar kind of founder. And I think that all three of us are similar. We know how, we know that there will be problems. There will be times when maybe I have issues with Abhishek or Siddharth has issues with me and uh, we're each challenged by some some really big things that are, that, that we need to pressure. Um, but at the end of the day, we'll come back and we'll clean our house and we'll start all over again if we need to. And that's the kind of, like I said, what is resilience? You've got to have that resilience to just get back in order and start again. And Sumit, it all works. We are blessed with a wonderful team. And it's not just founder to the magic. Team, entire team starts believing in your vision. You get a very different energy. A startup goes through a, a different stages, like you said. All of our teammates remain with us. Super bright people looking upon us that together we are going to do something big. Mm. And that's a huge motivation. Love with this kind of team, this larger team, trusting you and believing you, and they are doing every bit to make it happen. Keeps a very wonderful life. And then, whatever be the problem, it passes on. Other most important things is that family support is an unusual part, right? And if you don't have support from the family, the family doesn't understand. 
that these are the problems that are going to happen, then again it becomes very difficult. I'm very happy about my wife, who is very supportive, and ensures that this is part and parcel of the game. Right? And there are good with times that you go through your lifestyle depends on how your start performs. Mm-hmm. Right? So that's also very important. Mahavun and Abhishek's wife particularly. In our case, we're three founders and Abhishek, Siddharth and I are, uh, are married. So we share common woes at home and when, so I can completely understand his state of mind and he can mind. But Abhishek's wife doesn't have insight into the company. I cannot personally imagine being the wife of a founder. It's very challenging. I think hats off to the families and spouses out there because it sounds very glamorous. Like I said, that word entrepreneur. Now, I think every young kid, I have an 18-year-old, she already thinks she's an entrepreneur, wants to run her own company, is already attempting to do so. From such a young age, people are trying this, but the challenges that come your way are many and you need around you. And if you get a spouse or a family like that, you need it. It makes, otherwise, it becomes even more challenging. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. I think that what you shared about motherhood or parenting, I think that prepares you for a lot of what we call leadership. Very well. And uh, Abhishek, what you shared about your wife and also the team, I think it's so important to see that any leadership role is actually a team job. It's not uh, an individual role, right? It's so easy to get caught up in feeling alone uh, and taking a huge burden on your shoulders, but it's uh, it's a burden to share. It's a responsibility to share. And people want to help you as soon as uh, you give them the opportunity to help. And I think that's what I am seeing in, in, in you and the culture that you have built is that all of you are coming from different and not just different, but unique backgrounds. But you have found a way to work together. You have found a way to, to create alignment and not just with yourself for a long period of time, but also with, with the team uh, that allows you to actually focus on the long term, as you mentioned, and then dream big and then also not be overburdened or overwhelmed by all the surprises and all the challenges as you said, which will keep coming. I, it, I think it never, it never stops. But at the same time, I think what I see is that you are getting better or you're learning from all of them. Uh, and that's a wonderful example to set uh, as a leader for the next level of leaders that are coming up. So thank you for sharing everything. Thank you for sharing your story, your journey, and what you're trying to do. And uh, as we wrap this up, what would be the best way for people who are listening, who wants to reach out to you, or will you find out more about what you're doing? I would say that our website is the first step to knowing us and learning about us. Dumaishoot.com is definitely something that if you're interested in learning more about product photography and content creation space and how we are enabling online sellers and brands to grow, definitely check us out there. We are fairly, personally, we're fairly active on LinkedIn, all three of us founders, so we can all be found there. If you, if you would like to reach out and learn more about our stories and our journeys and each of us have and continue to mentor a lot of young people who want to get into entrepreneurship. Anyone interested or having any questions, do reach out there. We're all available. Social media, as an organization, we're fairly active on social media. On Instagram is a very important tool for us to communicate to our to our, our sellers and help them and support them to learn more about the products and features that we're building out. So Instagram and Pinterest are, are places where we're very active. Yeah, I think these are good places to get in touch you know with us learn more about us yeah thank you thank you for sharing what you shared i will make sure to include your website and some of those social media links in the show notes as it comes out and once again as we end this i want to wish you all the best for all the success as well as the surprises that lie ahead thank you so much so much thanks so much and all the very best to you as well
Thank you. It was a pleasure. That's it for this episode of Choosing Leadership with Sumit Gupta. I choose leadership every time I record this podcast and I invite you to do the same. I invite you to design a life of joy, meaning, pride and satisfaction, not just for yourself but for everybody around you. If you got something out of this episode, would you share this episode on social media? And if you know somebody who would be a great guest, can you tag them on social media to let them know about the show? And if you are a leader who wants to acknowledge how far you have come and have big dreams for the future, please reach out to me to be a guest on this podcast. And I love seeing your posts and guest suggestions. This is what I do most naturally to lovingly and gently provoke you, to help you see your own light, to help you see what you are already capable of. To make sure you don't miss any episodes, go ahead and subscribe. Your thumbs up, ratings and reviews go a long way to help promote the show and it means a lot to me and my team. If you want to know more, go to deployyourself.com and subscribe to my newsletter or follow me on LinkedIn. I want to thank everyone who contributed to making this show a reality. And I want to thank you for listening. Always remember that you are enough, you are loved and you matter. This is Sumit. Until next time, keep choosing leadership.